Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right, and to avoid any lazy negativity, we decided to make this here episode a drinking game. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. shit. That was a big <laughs> one. So anytime we say anything <laughs> negative about a film or each other or anything at all, anything negative gets a buzz. This is the buzz. That means we have to take a drink. So we hope to keep it positive. And if not, we'll just get drunker. That's what happens. So pour yourselves a glass, get a rag, clean some toilets, but go buy a frock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty Jesus. good. I have, oh, I have more. Um, yeah, I, yeah, fuck. It's gonna Every, be good everyone's one. like, what the fuck movie is this? <laughs> I hope you guys uh, have seen Mrs. Harris go to Paris in honor for our podcast. If, if you aren't new to this podcast, by the way, and you just love Mrs. Paris, go- Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. <laughs> we love Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, which we all saw. We all, I, I saw it. We all saw it. Uh, and you are new to our our podcast. We try to keep it spoiler free for about ten minutes or so, so that our friends who haven't seen it yet can uh, hear our initial takeaways, what we think, what we feel, and then, like always, we try to keep it positive as we open up into a spoiler filled conversation where we talk about the movie, have some fun. Drink some beers. I took That's exception to this because there was there was not a fucking Dr. Seuss character anywhere. Dr. Seuss character? Yeah. Ah, <sighs> oh, the rhyme. Should I? <laughs> no, no, is that buzzworthy? Yeah, I can't yeah, tell. That's what's going to give a buzz. I was like, did I miss something here? Um, we have a couple. We have, <laughs> we have a couple sponsors. Um, we haven't seen our beer sponsor in a while, so I hope he's doing okay. Um. But John, do you want to go ahead and shout out our two sponsors of the podcast? We have a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barozo. You can find him on Instagram at cbarozo.beer. C-B-A-R-O-O-Z-O-O. Jesus, C-B-A-R-O-O-Z-O dot beer. B-E-E-R. Oh, my goodness. I'll explain in a moment. And my... uh. I'm very proud to say that Dasein is going to be coming to the streaming services near you. He is our musician incarnate, our artist in residence. You can find all the uh, links in the show notes right now, but it's going to be launching very soon, probably within the next month, on all the normal streaming services. Download that music for free. You guys, I had fucking food poisoning yesterday and the day before, and I am still wrecked. Yeah, that was. I missed the entire Scottish Open, dude. I missed the whole fucking thing. Oh my god, you missed so much of it. You called it the Scottish Open, which was played two weeks ago. My god, that's crazy. I missed the the Open Championship, which just happened to take place in Scotland. Yeah, Yeah, it's okay. We're talking about golf people. It's okay. We we talk about golf sometimes. You missed a good one. It was good. I I saw saw some of Cameron's. Highlights, but damn it. Anyway, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> Dave's like, let's fuck it. Guys, okay, Just John, it's good to hear. So. <laughs> it's good, good, to ha- good to have you guys. So we are here talking about Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Anything you guys want to get off your chest before we get into this episode about this movie? I, I will. Couple, somebody, I was sitting in my, somebody was sitting in my fucking seat at AMC, and the problem with me always getting there late, by late I mean the previews always take 20 minutes, so I try to get there at least 10 minutes after, you know, is that... I just didn't want to disturb anybody, so I just like sat on the aisle. So I had a much shittier seat because someone took my goddamn seat, and I just didn't feel like disrupting a whole aisle while they were watching previews. That's my that's my that, gripe. That happened to me for Thor. Um, so I sat right next to her and nice. made it awkward. 
Do we? I, should, I should have done. I should have done that. And I. It was oh, like you know, there were times I wasn't even watching the movie. I'm just like staring at her. That's, that's like, no, I, I, I didn't do that. I don't think um, she would have put it together. I think she yeah. would have just thought she's you're a pedo. I'm pretty sure she thought she was in the right seat. <laughs> what else? Um, I I went and saw this in the infamous Cinema Eleven at Times Square. Uh, same one I saw Crimes of the Future in. The infamous oh, Cinema Eleven. Yeah, I I, have a, I mean I have a question for AMC Times Square. Like, why is Cinema Eleven's floor always sticky? Yeah, I don't know. Like I don't you, know. Because I sit just behind the, the railing movies. usually. I get the seat there. And yeah, and I walk in and you can hear the, my soles like cl- sticking to the floor as I'm walking. You cannot sneak out to the toilet in that theater. It's uh, Guys, how many movies have we seen that Dave has a theater? <laughs> cinema 11, Times Square, favorite, <laughs> most popular cinema. Right? I mean, and I, I also had a guy, there, um, like, I, I had a guy sitting on the aisle. Uh, who promptly pulled that thing you don't do on an airplane and you certainly don't do it in a fucking movie theater where he sat down, kicked his shoes off and put his bare feet up on the railing. Oh, <laughs> no. No. I was like, for that guy, for that guy. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. Considering Come on. how fucking sticky the floor is, that's a bold move. That's bad. <laughs> Especially for this movie, the the couture, the the fashion of this guy was like, this is the movie I'm taking my shoes off for. Yeah. This one is I mean, this back. Yeah. I feel like I every movie theater fun. I went to Why as a child had sticky, had sticky uh, yeah, floors. For sure, but you, for know, sure. you don't get a lot of sticky floors these days in the AMCs. They're yeah. really dropping the ball. In the AMC safe, Cinema safe 11. and clean. Yeah. Oh come on. Yeah. All right. Let's. Anything else? Anything else to get off your chest, guys? I I just mm. want to say their projector rollout, the laser projector rollout that AMC is doing, where everyone, every projector in the thing is going to be laser, cannot happen soon enough. I'm pretty sure the the projector was dull on oh. my screening um like it looked like the highlights were sitting just above where the mids would be in color it was it was sometimes it was like a little hard to see did you guys find it a little hard to see or was it was it just my theater might have been your theater i thought but, mine was okay i'm just kidding yeah, yeah if it comes up with cinema 11 from this point on in that in that <laughs> venue i'm just canceling my fucking ticket <laughs> damn dude i'm sorry avoid cinema 11 avoid at all costs all i right. can't vouch for cinema 10 i'll get back to you <laughs> Uh, John, how was your theater? This, it, it, the viewing was good? It looked good? Yeah, it did look good. I saw it at the uh, Aero Cinematheque, which is one of the independent theaters here. It's kind of like Film Forum or uh, Angelica there. They, yeah, I bet uh, they clean their fucking theaters. Yeah, they have they like old too. school. Yeah. They have DCP as well, but they have good like 70 millimeter festivals quite often. They're showing Lawrence of Arabia this weekend. You know, it's, it's that kind of place. So they did a good job. And I got to hear a Q&A with Anthony Fabian, the director of this movie. So it was oh, is it okay? Cool. Well, let, let, let's segue into the film before I do the setup because you, we were thinking about what to watch, and out of nowhere, yeah. you said, "Hey, I saw this movie. We should do that." So, what what brought you there ahead of the release? The release is the fifteenth, and it looks like it's still unlimited because it didn't make a ton of money. But um, what what brought you there? Was it because of that screening? Yeah, it was because of that of the... screening. Um, I get a lot of awesome invites to early screenings of stuff through school and uh i had not been to this theater yet and i just always wanted to go it's in a really nice part of town and you know we we love our a-list i'm very happy that that exists but i'm excited for movie pass 2.0 to come back out so we can start supporting those independent theaters a little bit more often so one i had a yeah. good excuse mm. to go there and this was just one of those weeks right we weren't quite sure what we were going to be doing i knew i was going to be yeah. seeing that movie anyway and i haven't heard you guys say anything yet but i i enjoyed it it was another uh really endearing well done kind of 
kind of magically fable kind of kind of movie. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of the Phantom Thread kind of world of the the, the yeah. do-gooder sure. kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, and it was I a thought little it was really less, a little less stress, a little less stressful than Phantom Thread. <laughs> yes, a little less yes. stressful. And I would just watch. I would watch Leslie Manville do just about anything. So you know, it was so sure. cool to Who see was her in, in a Phantom really big Thread? lead role. All right, before we before we pass this over to Dave in? here, let's yeah. um, let's let's give. Yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar for Phantom Thread, Best Supporting Actress, mostly for those like two breakfast scenes or whatever that he, she was like with him. Um, so oh, I'm this the Phantom is, of the Open. Uh, Did I compare it to Phantom Thread? You said Phantom Thread, which is I mean, happen. it's the same time period though, right? Fifties in yeah, London. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I'll tell a story about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. This just came out into I think limited release. It made one point yeah, nine million dollars. So this is like the July 15th weekend here in America, 2022. Uh, this obviously stars Leslie Manville. This, the story is it's a widowed cleaning lady in 1950s London, falls madly in love with a couture Dior dress and decides that she must have one of her own. So where does that take her? I love how in the fucking <laughs> the description here on IMDb, it doesn't say she wants one of her own. So therefore she goes to Paris. I guess that's implied. Um this is co-written and singularly directed by Anthony Fabian, who's done a lot of documentaries, probably not a lot of features that you've probably heard of, certainly not for me. Uh, it's co-written by Carol Cartwright and Keith Thompson. Um, one more prolific than the other there. And then it stars Leslie Manville, um, Alba Baptista, who looking forward to seeing more that she can give us. She's a fantastic <laughs> Portuguese-French actress that has a real bright future ahead of her. Jason Isaacs with a nice, awesome role. And then... For anybody who knows who should have won the Oscar the year of La La Land and Moon Knight for Best Leading Actress in a Film, if only all of the voters had seen Elle, Isabelle Huppert, known as... <laughs> That's my fucking French accent. Isabelle Huppert. Isabelle Huppert. Who's known as the French Meryl Streep. Speaking of Meryl Streep, Ooh. I bet you Leslie Manville is really, really happy that um, Meryl Streep turned this down. <laughs> or I don't know if she was offered it, but I feel like Meryl Streep's been stealing roles from people like Leslie Manville forever. And here we go. Well, I feel it's, like there's it's funny else. you should mention Meryl Streep, actually, because like, I, I would quite like, if you want to condense that description down, this is basically the Devil Wears Prada meets Paddington Bear. <laughs> you think Pat? Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, I could fuck with that. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. It, has, it has the feel-good charm of Paddington Bear and the... Uh, the bitchiness of Prada. <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. I'm going to buzz you, but it is funny. <laughs> I, also, I also want to shout out Ellen Thomas, who plays Vi. So anyway, we're keeping it spoiler free. Let's do some initial takeaways. We heard John's. Dave, what is your initial takeaway of Mrs. Harris goes to Paris? Uh, oh, I know my initial reaction when this was suggested was, okay. Uh, yeah, but this is the movie that's been ruining Marvel movies for you and, because yeah, it's good, it's, sweet, charming, it, good plot movies. It, I mean, like, it is, but eventually you're going to come across a like a bad one. Yeah, but not, uh, not you, yet. You, know, you roll the dice, you roll the dice, and you know eventually. And the thing I will say is, Uh-oh. Act One is really, really slow. I'm sure they do it on purpose. Yeah. Um, but it was just a little bit of it. It was like when I described Kroll last week about, you know, the, the journey up the mountain took 15 minutes. It was just him walking up a mountain. Like it, they, they kind of harped on with the, the cleaning stuff a little bit. Once you get to Paris, the Paris storyline, it makes everything worth it. Like mm. if anything, it loses a little bit of steam, like driving home the first act. Once she gets to Paris, like everything about this movie that you love comes out. And I did really enjoy it. I just think Act One might have been could have could have used a little bit of a chop. 
Nice. Um, did, did you did you know anything about it, or since nothing. we were seeing it anyway, nothing you just at all? Cold. I went in I completely cold. I didn't see any trailers. I didn't read a description. Same. Anything. I'm like, let's let's go in. Let's go in cold. Um, and yeah, it's this is a this is a perfect if you like you're sitting there and you have got two hours to kill in the city or wherever you happen to be, and you're like, I'm going to catch a matinee. This is the perfect matinee to go and see. It was a great matinee. I also saw a matinee. It was a great matinee. Nice. Yeah, Jeff, I, I, think, I second man? what you. I kind of second what both of you are saying. I, I agree that the first act was a little slow. I also went in completely cold. Um, this almost could have been like a one hour. What, what was it like? Um, was that like Amazon Prime show where the, there were all like little love stories that were based on like a New York Times like dating list? You know what I mean? They're all like these little single little love stories. Yeah, like I feel like yet, this could have yeah. been one of those. But I'm with you that the Paris part was the best. That, that was really the best part. I do think that what made it better is that we knew who she was. So we did have the setup. So that's really interesting, like structurally that it took us 45 minutes to an hour yeah. before she finally goes. And then she goes and it's not quick. And then she has to stay. And it's like, oh, you know, that was just a, that was a surprise to me. That's I thought she was just going like, to go and, well, and leave one night. Yeah. I thought that's what it was going to be. It's yeah. like, it's like the whole of act one is literally just the down. And that's, that's the, the stuff you normally get two thirds of the way through the movie. That's like the all is yeah. lost moment. That sort of thing. She has that. And like, then they, they, I, it's it's very interesting to see, like the tone is completely different when you get to Paris it's a different film yeah 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 I, I like that it does that I see this I see John saying the Phantom of the Open thing though which is probably another movie that not too many people listening have seen yet but it's the golf movie with Mark Rylance where he just has a dream <laughs> and that's yeah. really what the, this movie is really simple it's, she just has a dream and the dream yeah. happens to be this dress and that kind of caught me by surprise when she was like I want one of these dresses I, I didn't really take her that seriously on it and then she kept going so all of these things I, I will say one thing though so I will say French. that it's I will say that it's it's not conventional because I feel like there are so many easy conventional things they could have done mm. they could have been like she sees that dress and it's like I will do whatever it takes to get this or something like yeah. I, I, I did not get that from that first moment but they still earned it I, you know I do I mean? feel I do feel sorry for like barefoot guy who was sitting down the end of my aisle because when we got to Act Two, like Paris, <laughs> he was actively snoring. That's tough. And I'm like, you missed the best bit, man. Like you. I just I just thought it was so charming, and I I really liked the Phantom of the Open part at the beginning, where it's like, how is this possible? And then just really trying to figure out how to make it possible. By the time we get to Paris, you're you're rooting for her so much more than if they sped through that first act. So yeah, there was a little bit of snappy editing in that first. I'm like, like I, I yeah. said, it could have been chopped more, but there was a couple of little, like I liked the notebook entries and like mm-hmm. when it started to jump around with like the the races and stuff like that. Like I yeah. I did like this entirely. I, I'm just, yeah. yeah there was just a, like the cleaning. They, took the, they did the cleaning journey a little much. But I know again, what that you mean. It did, it did feel, yeah, yeah. It did. I think it. I think it almost was. I think it was necessary for two reasons. If it was just the plot point of this is where she's coming from, I don't know if it would have touched us quite as much to realize like how big of a deal it is for somebody that poor to try to save up money to. Yeah. For that kind of dream, it's mm. just so unrealistic. So setting that up emotionally, it really did. I agree with you. Like the second or third time they were going through her daily routine, I was like, I think we got it. But I'm starting to kind of feel for her. Like, is this going to be a sad mm-hmm. movie? Yeah, like this there was is a taking a long time. Like, yeah, this is going to be this. Is, this the poster is not representing how I'm feeling right now. I was like, this is kind of a downer. Uh, and the second point is that and there's it's, a it's so there's a really yeah, fun <laughs> there's a really fun kind of almost magical realism that gets unleashed when she does go to Paris and she starts to, 
to see like there are little hints of it with camera movements and stuff like that before and when she sees the dior dress in uh, one of her clients closets but um th- this turn that happens i think it really does help to to come from this kind of slower grittier london pace um but i know what you mean mm. i know what you mean no no i i agree and i, I know exactly why they did it i was just yeah i and i think if i if i looked some stuff up about the movie and i knew what i was going into i probably would have expected it um but going in cold i was i was just like it was almost like i did the same thing it's like i get it like why are we why are we cleaning another wardrobe like, but yeah <laughs> look they were you but guys they, they it, were was, talking... it was the journey it was to make it look really hard they were yeah. talking about this book in the q a like people knew this book and this author paul gallico I've never read anything by him. He wrote four oh, yeah. Mrs. Harris's. He wrote. He has a very large bibliography. Successful 20th century fiction writer. Really, Mrs. Wow. Mrs. Harris goes to New York, to Moscow, to Parliament. Like they, they're what? trying to the, get the these same movies. Lady just made. travels all over the world. She's yeah, like, she kind of Bond. The, yeah, the do-gooder kind of goes to these places and kind of you know with her positivity, kind of just. You know, turns everything <laughs> yeah. right side Speaking up. Speaking of which, I'm, I'm going dig- to digress for a second because uh, one thing I forgot to mention, did you guys get the trailer uh, before yours for Lal Singh Shadar? I didn't get I any trailers. No. It's, it's an Indi- okay, it's an Indian film. It's literally a remake of Forrest Gump, but in India. <laughs> they, this, guy nah. appara- this guy apparently spent 10 years writing it and then finally got the rights to do it. He'd like, they credit the the screenplay like the screenwriter from Forrest um, Gump, but it's literally Indian Forrest Gump. Indian and it, Forrest I was Gump I was sitting there and I'm like, they've ripped off Forrest Gump. And then I realized, hold on, we rip off stories from there all the time. It's just oh we don't often God, see yeah. it go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> and How many yeah, times is like a yeah. a great French or British or uh, Spanish. British or Spanish or Dutch yeah. or Danish or Indian movie, and they just remake it in America. Like Forest Majeure is a perfectly great movie that won like a ton of acclaim, and they just decided to make it in English just fucking because. So yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, you know and it was it was funny to see it go the other way, and then they and they re- to like release it in America as well. That's some guts. Yeah. Who do you think? Who Speaking do you think I'm gonna prop a... up to, that really? Wait, hold on. Who do, you th- who do you think I'm gonna prop up that really helped carry this movie? Because there is this whimsical feel to it. This even in the the slower parts, even in the parts where she's like really trying to grit her teeth and get her work done so that she can earn the right. You know, one element of this film I thought really like elevated it, really gave it some levitation to help carry it through. What do you some guys think le- I'm gonna say? Are you saying levity specifically or? No, like I think... the film like levitated a little bit. Like it, it, it had a weightlessness to it. Is, is it Alba? <laughs> no. Well, yes. <laughs> your dog just jumped off your bed. Your dog was like, I can't hear this guy talk about the fucking the girl who played Natasha again. No, Natasha was awesome. I love Natasha. No. The score, the score, people. This guy, like, I, I think Michael oh, Giacchino's, um, whoever his uh, music supervisor was in Up, was like, let me go ahead and run this through our uh, our soundboard and make sure he didn't take <laughs> yeah, those. The some of those Up the, yeah, a lot of like, yeah. yeah, there was like, so there was like a lot of clarinet and a lot of like melody. Because you know what, you know what we hear a lot. I've been thinking about this with the, especially the Marvel movies. We don't hear any melodies in scores. They just give you generic, weird chords that are just mood. You and get, and you get I, it sounds like comedy thing. Melodies, melodies for comedy. Good point. Tell very, that very good to point. John Ex- Williams. Except, tell, tell that to John Williams. <laughs> 
Tell that to James. Tell that to Hans Zimmer. Tell that to Hans Zimmer. Tell that to Howard Shore. Um, tell, where yeah, they literally, yeah. when they when they made Lion King into a musical, they literally just took Hans Zimmer's score and turned them into songs. So, like, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but for this, I really think that the score like helped. Look, we're saying all of these things, and then yes, the structure to me was like I don't even know how to place it on a, a on a board. It's, it seems it's like so conventional, but also like not in just the right kind of way. Just scotchy, scotchy. Act one and act two were so different, and then act three was just like the perfect little mini coda at the end. Mm. And the score was just this thing that sort of was this through line that gave you that whimsy that like got me rooting for more. I don't know. I shout out to um, Ryel Jones. Ryel Jones. Hope yeah. you hope that Disney hope Disney doesn't sue you, man. You did great. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a gush alarm. Yeah. Bringing it back to uh, to the actors real fast. Um, oh, yeah. The actors are great. The director, the director did tell his story. I'm sure you're not wrong about the Meryl Streep thing because he went through the usual rounds of, you know, he'd been writing the script for a few years and had some of his friends and people, people uh, take part in it. I think the woman who wrote uh, The Danish Girl and Talented Mr. Ripley I think she had a little little hand in this. Is that Carol Cartwright? Um, uh, Carol Cart? No, no. All right. Well, he mentioned who is the woman who wrote that? Um, is it Olivia? Olivia Hitchett. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the girl with the pearl earring. Excuse me, I had it wrong. Olivia Hitchett. Uh, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, they had really good script on their hands. He had some producers that were attached to it. Focus features was not attached to it yet. And the usual dance of offer it to every fucking A-lister you can possibly imagine. They went on that, you know, whirlwind and, uh, he wanted to offer it to Leslie Manville after seeing Phantom Threat. He thought that that was just going to make the most sense. She knew the couture world already, uh, cause he made this. In tandem with the Dior fashion group, they had a little. Oh, I'm hand sure they the, helped. I'm sure they helped get this movie funded. I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah, but they were still they. So they went on this dance and like he made it. You know, he didn't name any names, but he said they they offered it to like every woman of the right age you could imagine, and everybody turned it down. And so they did that whole dance, which everybody tells this story is not sadly it's not unique or original he had who he wanted they made him spend a year over a year offering it to all these people they turned it down and he said if i offer it to her and she says yes can we stop doing this and she offered she took it and she said yes and they finally went on board but they literally have been saying the whole time that you know leslie manville won't sell tickets and you know what maybe maybe there's some truth to that maybe that's one reason that we're, I mean, we're saying we've never heard of this movie but uh, I, I yes. think it's a real shame because she's maybe maybe the, she's maybe so good. I mean maybe they're right, but she should is yeah is what I'm saying. Like this, the if you're not going to go and see this movie because there's no A listers in it, you've done yourself a disservice. Yeah, I'm hoping Jason Isaac. I mean, there are A listers. They're just A listers outside America. Yeah, oh, yeah. everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. in Europe knows who these uh, who <laughs> the the main older yeah. adults are for sure. And Lucas Bravo is he's up and coming, right? He's on the I've never seen it, but. Emily in Paris, I think he's in that show, and he's he played the young man, the finance, the financial right. guy. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I haven't yeah, seen that right. show, but apparently he's, you know, I'm sure he's coming there. Alba Batista's probably a, but Jason Isaacs, Isabel Huppert, and Leslie Isabel Manfield, Huppert, those yeah. are those are fucking household yeah. names everywhere outside of the United States. <laughs> yeah. 
So you're, John, you're right. Crazy. Look at that. Emily, Emily in Paris. Yeah. Shout out Lucas Bravo. He was John's really good. Number one. I was, they're really all well. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this is what happens every single time we see a movie that's from England or France or anywhere. When was the last time we saw a movie from one of those countries where there were performances that were weak? Last round. <laughs> honestly, well, I don't think like, I've ever, honestly, ever, ever, yeah. ever seen bad acting come out of those countries. We've seen a bunch on this podcast. Not a ton, not as much as we probably could or should, but some of the best movies we've seen were just these movies from these places where they paid people shit and the actors are just fucking good. <laughs> Everybody. Vi is amazing. I don't know who Ellen Thomas is, but she's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the guy that was Gilles Newcomb we only saw on the staircase like three or four times. He was great. And his like tiny little role. Like everybody's great. All the, yeah. all the couture ladies that were walking around the house you know even even the one guy which you know that that role could be a little sticky the main the main seamster seamster <laughs> he was funny the fuck is yes he was funny uh, yeah exactly he, he pulled it off he pulled it off like every yeah. all the performances I, were fantastic i will say as well like it it does it does grab you like when she first turns up at like the house of dior oh, and sure. the reception that she gets if that one scene oh. does it like if everybody sees this that one scene doesn't start the eat the rich movement Nothing will. Because <laughs> fuck, that was really hell, good. They're, they're so rude. I was like, oh god, if I if I I didn't hate the French already. I, no, I'm kidding. I don't hate the French. And it was just <laughs> it was it was Isabella Huppert just just going to town, like you know, what I mean, just showing those chops. She, I thought she did such a. It, part of it is the right. I guess we're going to get into spoilers a little bit now. I mean, I think we all know. All right, let's yeah, activate well. the, spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the spoilers. Yeah. yeah. All right. Spoilers, go, see, guys, spoilers, go, see spoilers. The, go see this movie. Go see this movie. Come on. You really should. They literally, the guy was literally like, please go see this movie because they, they, they said they didn't want to make this. And this is the kind of movie they can't sell right now because it's not a superhero movie. And, you know, if they, we just, we're just trying to make know. a point as well as make a good well, movie that people still I, like seeing good stories. I, I feel like, I feel like the amount of people in my theater says otherwise, because like my theater had a good too, 30, 30, 40 people in it. Limited release, like, these, these New York City, it was only in two, like three theaters in the city. Yeah, but they, they're doing that with all these artisan films now, like the, like the AMC banner, the artisan thing. And if it makes over a certain point, suddenly it goes wide. The per and theater out, average so, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully this little podcast gets some legs and then they can do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give one more rant about this. I wonder if let's take a, let's take a aside for this to say, what if movies, what, what if I'm going to be doing my flexible pricing for movies pitch until the end of time. And I, I don't give a fuck, but like, don't you think this movie, like if a family of four, yeah, I don't know, like if little kids would love this movie, but should, what if this was $40 for four tickets as opposed to like 20 for one you know what I mean? I feel like this is the kind of I, 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 this is where I think Marvel's ruining everything because it's like well, there are a lot there are a lot of people that wouldn't want to spend a hundred dollars to go on a date night to see this movie. That's why I said it was a great movie. They're matinee. their way to rent this. Yeah, this is a great matinee movie. Give them like a ten twelve dollar ticket. Yeah, a little bit of a popcorn thirty five forty dollars matinee. That's great, but like nobody wants to spend a hundred dollars to go it's see also, this. That's the problem with the. It's a limited release, so we can only say this for the places where it actually is released right now. But this is the kind of movie that maybe you should not go to your AMC, go to your half the price, smaller independent theater yeah. oh, somewhere absolutely. Down the, further yeah. down the street and support those theaters that actually show movies like this all the time. Maybe we will save, you know, maybe the AMCs will yeah. turn into the place where we, we have our A-list mm. so we can go see the, you know, the Dolby Atmos Marvel movie and the next Top Gun. You know, you maybe, know what I really you know, love? I don't know. I really love that. Like we went through the the Marvel juggernaut, and we, we DC tried to be a juggernaut. It didn't quite get there, and then we went through a pandemic where everything was just fucking closed. And they're like, "This is the death of independent cinema. This is the death of like the smaller movies." But they're still fucking here. 
Like they're still yeah. being made. Yeah. Theaters are still buying them. They're still getting a little bit of distribution, not as much as they deserve. Like they deserve more, especially the films we've seen for this show. Yeah. Um, but oh, we, yeah, we've seen some still great small movies there. this year. Yeah, I hope the Mark Rylance movies, I hope they didn't lose money. But, I, you know, maybe I, I just hope the theatrical run isn't just selling the streaming because my parents are going to love this when they stream it at home in six months. You know what I mean? They're going to love it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the big, I think the biggest one to come out recently and go straight to streaming will be the uh, Rob Zombie monsters all the horror all the horror ones sure it makes sense people can like get i mean you guys i've been talking about this i've been talking about this a lot with people jesus whoa (laughs) (laughs) i've been talking about this a lot with like people at work and school and stuff dog has to drink um i do feel like we're coming into a time now where and this was true for a lot of people i'm not saying it wasn't true for a lot of people but like i feel like a very realistic scenario for up-and-coming producers and directors if you're not invited into those world of franchises is you're going to live on your feet. You know, you're not probably not going to make more money on the back end the way you maybe you would have in the nineties where people really took chances on these as audience members. But, you know, so I think that that's just creating a different uh, culture. If the answer of that is that we get to see things like this made by people who just love making movies, then, you know, I'm okay with that. I don't think we need to turn, turn every independent film director into a gazillionaire you know it's kind of fun to see what these people do with smaller budgets and and that kind of pressure no trust me this is a good movie and no studio interference and no studio interference and you know focus picks this up and they were very excited um coming from everybody anybody who knows their history and like the smart house stuff that they released in the 90s and late 80s and they they haven't been as prolific as they were so it was cool seeing them put their weight behind something like this because there is still a community of theater goers that trust certain distribution companies and i uh yeah. I, I hope that we will still be able to and yeah. I, I know our show will be a part of it but just as theater goes i think you guys are right i think people are starting to see movies like this again well i yeah. mean we we did hit ten thousand downloads this week so we get, we're getting the word out <laughs> right sorry <laughs> there you go that's the right button meeting ten thousand download party woo Cheers, boys. All right, back to the back to, back to the film. Back to the film. Um, you took the fuck you, John, out of here in the category. Uh, <laughs> I want to fuck you, John. Here. John. I'll put it back in next week. Um, Thanks. That's what she said. I, I, the thing I love is like this. This was in some of the reactions that you get. It, it can be a little predictable, like this, this film. But that somehow makes it more endearing. Because you want these good things to like, it's like, oh, this this thing's going to happen to her, and then it does it. But you wanted that to happen, like mm. with the dress and how how it resolves in the end, um, like where she yeah, ends up, you know, finally cool. getting the dress she actually wanted. Like you you saw that coming a mile away, and you were like, come on, open the box, open the box. It was like you were all in, even though you spoiler, saw it coming. Spoiler alerts, right? Spoiler alerts. Spoiler, spoiler, yeah, spoiler, yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert is well and well, truly it's like on. Dave, yeah, it's, yeah, Dave, it's like, totally well, it right, could have been dude. like. It could have been like one of like two or three different things. Like they either make her a new dress, they make her the same dress, they fly her back to Paris. But either way, it's so that's like that's suspenseful enough. It's like which one of these? Th- what are they going to do? And of course, they sent her the. Of course, it's really did. good editing. That's the- it's it's really good editing because you're right, dude. I mentioned that on their car ride on the way home. Like we knew that was coming, and it still got me. I still had tears in my eyes when she finally yeah. lifted the box. I was like, I knew this was coming. Why did it? Why did I that still moment have- land so well for me? I still love the end of Apollo 13 every time when he goes, hey, welcome <laughs> sure. home. Yeah. And I was like, yes, yeah. he lives. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. There was a, uh, there were a few moments in this movie that like, 
maybe this is just the feel good summer. I don't think I even usually cling to these kind of movies, but we've seen you know a couple of these now, and it's been really it's been really endearing. When she goes for her I think, first, I think everyone fitting, needed this. <laughs> I know, honestly, when she goes for yeah. her first fitting, and the whole room applauds her. I was like, mm. get the fuck out of here. I was, like, I was just like, oh, yeah. no, no, no. I just started like fucking crying, man. This shit was so sweet. Just her watching the runway show. Everybody else is watching it like, oh, yeah, that was really great. And she's just yeah. like a glow. <laughs> I wonder what that day, what was that day like for her? Like, we're going to go again and action. And she's just like, oh, okay, and cut and action. Yeah. And she's yeah. just the whole day just fucking beaming as she's if somebody just- is like, proposing to her she's, awesome. she's going home and her face is frozen like the joker it's like wow, so great <laughs> the night before she yeah, slept I did, at I did. the train depot right yeah. <laughs> yeah, like with, the, with the drunks yeah. who turned out to be who turned out to be helpful later <laughs> god that guy was funny yeah the winer yeah that but was it was it, again it was like it it was almost like if you want to put it in class terms like the lower class sticking together and it was like the the whole message of like you get trodden on by the people above you in like left for like a better words a corporation i guess and you just learn to accept that treatment until something comes along and breaks you out of it like there's the all these fun messages for like people who are just downtrodden and who are locked in their rut and it's like you you can escape yeah. this i will say once being downtrodden to. being downtrodden back then if you were white in england is definitely a lot better than being downtrodden now <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I don't mean everyone can escape it, but it, it does. Like, it gives you that hope. It gives you that that one little spark that you might you might just actually do something. That's that's what it did for me. It was like, but it's also like the some of the other themes. Like, you got to save a little bit for yourself. Some people are just takers. Like her her clients were horrible, mm, like fucking yeah. horrible. And like I've met people like that uh, even in this like in the film industry who are just like you know anytime you get an email it's like yeah we have no budget but collaboration and stuff like that and i get it you want to make your your short film for free and but you know i'm not going to eat exposure yeah how is how is how is john going to make those movies if you didn't do them for free like i don't understand (laughs) no we we all made those movies yeah that's yeah yeah. i know what you mean dude it really does it does. <laughs> you got to you got to start somewhere, you guys. It does. That's how we. That's you. how we. It's, legit, it's legitimate <laughs> work. It's legitimate work. It it won. It, it caused the Blu-ray wars to end. Guys, nothing advanced techno. Nothing advanced video technology. Quite according to Silicon Valley, nothing advanced video technology. Quite like uh, the porn industry. <laughs> Well, no, that, that was actually the the Blu-ray. I don't know if I've told you the story before. The Blu-ray HD DVD wars, no, when please. they were trying, to, each one was trying to get their format ahead. And Warner Brothers, biggest fucking studio in the world, threw their weight behind Blu-ray. Did not affect the the competition at all. The porn industry went, "Oh, we're going Blu-ray." HD DVD was dead. <laughs> wow, that was it. That was what tipped it. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, porn industry. Thank you, yeah, guys. <laughs> uh yeah i uh, where were we <laughs> uh believing don't believing. get me off track because i'll go there <laughs> i know what you mean um, what do you guys think of the, the, uh, the down what do you guys think of the peter thing? and the wolf what oh, yeah, would you guys there. think of the peter and the wolf burlesque scene <laughs> i call was... it the peter and the wolf could burlesque because it sounded like I peter was... and the wolf and then they were just she was like in this burlesque with all these like very wealthy people i was waiting I was for saying... that to get way more racier than it did yeah yeah but yeah really no no way so that storyline was one of my favorites, though. That 
I was wondering how they were going to kind of. That was a little gut wrenching. Yeah. Yeah. How they were going to stab her a little bit in a secondary way. Cause there were a couple different storylines developing a couple different relationships. And this man, this wealthy man who was so nice to her in the scene that Dave was referencing with the beginning when she comes and they're like, you can't be here and get out and you don't belong in Dior. Mm. And he was so charming and, he really was very likable. Had, had, had an it's, extra ticket, you know. It's the uh, it's the man from the Matrix, if, the second Matrix. Even, it's yeah. the I don't know if he even had an extra him? ticket. They just give you one because he's rich. Yeah, yeah. The Did you guys recognize him from yeah. the second Matrix? Yes, he's the Frenchman. Yeah, Jeff, did you did you get it? I saw the second Matrix in theater, and I, I made a promise to myself that I would never see it again. All right, cool. Well, anyway, <laughs> this guy was really good. So when he finally takes it back and they, they see each other several times and you're like, wow, this is so nice. Oh, the classic cliche Paris thing. And then to just turn the knife when he basically, you know, I was raised in London in boarding school and you remind me of the the cleaning lady. <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, just that, like that was the thing. So... He, he genuinely, he genuinely thought that was a compliment to her. Right. And that's that's the yeah. thing that was like horrifying. Yeah. And it really think- really worked. I thought that was I guess what I'm trying to say is I thought that was I thought that was pretty sophisticated for what seems like a a very simple mm. feel good story. There was something like that in there that Yeah, that, that was that was been, clever. I don't, I don't know. I just thought that was really nice and um It could have been clunky too, but it wasn't. It was just heartbreaking. Like yeah. Yeah. You were, but also on the other side of it, you're like no, no, she shouldn't. I, I mean, I get it. She's probably going to end up with him, but she should really end up with this guy. Because, um, like, Jason, I, I pegged the the little Jason Isaacs thing from the beginning. It was it was so weird to see him play a nice guy too, because I haven't seen yeah. it before. Yeah, it was cool. Also, I'm calling it like at the end when they turn up at the the social together, and he's in a suit and everything. He'd make a good James Bond. He's too old, dude, he's, he's Dave. Like get out of here, man! How old is Jason Isaacs, dude? Jason, you <laughs> he, look he wonderful. Too old, I'm not picking made... on you, but brother, I'm buzzing me and you for, for calling he, Jason Isaacs too thing. old. He but he's too old. Like he could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have been great instead of Pierce Brosnan. He would, he would have been a good villain. He could still be a good villain. He's, uh, he could Lucius, be. Lucius Malfoy. Lucius, Lucius Malfoy. Lucius. It's a great story. He auditioned for Lockhart. He auditioned for Lockhart, and they said, "How about Malfoy?" And he was like, "Ugh, I just played Captain Hook." Why would I want to do that again? As if anybody gives a fuck about his Captain Hook performance. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah cause, a... I'm glad he did. Wait, but back to the back to the. Oh, you remember my cleaning woman? Because those again, these conventions that they just kind of skewed perfectly to still give you that feel goody feel. These those kind. I, I hate in movies because only in movies do people go. I know exactly the reason for my backstory. <laughs> And that happens all the time in TV shows and movies, and it drives me crazy. Why are you so mean? Well, one time when I was nine, my dad touched me, and then I started drinking alcohol, and then I took a cigarette. And it's like, all right, okay, so you really, who needs a therapist? You figured it out. Great. So why are you so angry still? So And and so with him, he's like, I know why I like you. It's because of this. And he gives you a specific reason. I'm always skeptical, always, always, always. But this, for some reason, he just, the, the scene, the way it was cut, her, of course, it was just like, it just just all we needed was that he'll never see her as an equal that he'll mm. always see yeah. he's he's classic to elevate and, and to, like, to take man to well to take your point further too i thought it was so brilliant that they had that scene he didn't say this to her sitting in a cafe outside he said this surrounded yeah. by his his you know his wealth in his in mm, one of his yeah. many rooms with the servants with, with bringing the, them with the, the english, yeah with the english tea sitting right there 
Yeah, so it was just, it, I, yeah. Thought that, I thought that they, all the work that I think you're talking about, yeah, it didn't bother me at all because th- the man who was so charming to her out on the streets and all those times, he's still the same guy. But I think it is making a pretty broad statement. Europeans love their stories about classism. Well, and, it, and I think it's, I think this was a really poignant and, and gentle way to make mm. that in her eyes just it's, said everything. When she looked at that picture, you're just like, oh, fuck. She has feeling really, she's I, I, she's not just positive all the time. She's a human, and that hurt, right? Mm. Like that fucking also, hurt. There's, there's some really clever threads through this, like the garbage thing that just turns gar- up everywhere, yeah. and it ends and it ends up being the resolve. Like that's there from yeah. the beginning, from the second she gets to Paris. Yeah. It's it's like that's the setup. Because even their strike was obviously way is way short and almost divisive, but it was it was it was it was great. They they pulled it off. I love they that made term it, they made by, it by the way, the Ben Men. The bin men, <laughs> yeah. the, the trash guys. And I think that, yep. you know, you don't want to read too deep into these things, it's, but I think they do these things. I think this is probably in the book. I don't, I don't know if it was in the book, but the symbolism there, the waste mm. on the streets, the, yeah. you know, you can't yeah. escape the, the lower class. It's, the, it stinks the, in that the, city. They're, just and, walking, they're walking through with blinders on, pretend, pretending yes. not to see it. Yeah. The well, wife we, of the, we, yeah, yeah. The wife of the uh, baron, we, we the trash also, baron or whatever. We should get into so nowadays is the Isabella Per character and the your boy from um, your favorite show Emily in Paris. Um, obviously, the fact that they are not as as wealthy as they would be today. If you know, if they were really the head of, of huge houses that were internationally known, if not you know com- incredibly lucrative or publicly traded or whatever, they'd still be better off. But the fact that you have nuance in the classes system, so it's not so black and white and cut and dry that you have this guy. Who seems to be? I mean, this is I forget his name. The French guy from whatever the fuck you were just talking about. Um, the guy who's like with her and invites Lucas her to the Bravo. show. He seems like he is also oh, like Frenchman. <laughs> he seems like he's also snuff. He's also like looking down on the other wealthy people, and he's like, oh, these wealthy people, they have no respect or whatever. And maybe maybe it was because of his dead wife. Maybe he learned. Maybe he softened in his old age. But nope, he just has a different nuanced take. But he still is looking down on other people. And then you have these other people who are pretending to look down on other people to gain a little bit for them, but actually actually have decent souls like Isabella Perret and this other guy. So I think just these little details, which I'm sure are in the book, they were just painted over. They were just enough. If they added any more mm. coats, it would have looked too fake, but it was like yeah. just enough. And Isabella Perret, I don't mean to say this in a way like with, with women, like age comes up, but she, she looked older in L than this. So there's something about just the energy she gave this character that, that gave her this bright, youthful striving, like very much like the um, Emily Blunt character and Emily, um, in Devil Wears Prada, mm. when Emily Bunt was like 23 when she did that, but like it's, it's similar type. Like she just those those little teeny tiny roles are really the connective tissue that kind of keep this whole thing together. Of course, at the center is Leslie Manville, just like nailing this and all of her friends yes. along the way. But like those little things, when you get to Paris, it's like I, I, I could I could use more time with them. I, I, I even today, if you said there was a director's cut, I would have been like, let me see more time with her with these people. It'd be great. Mm. Mm. I mean, if they want to go through the, if there are a whole series of books, let's go through them. Look, we talk yeah, all the time. What happens? She goes to like St. Petersburg. I don't know. Tell this woman to a franchise. We <laughs> talk all the time when you're screenwriting and stuff about th- this balance of of plot and character and relationships, and you know, it, this is actually a novella, apparently. You know, so and oftentimes. Mm films get adapted so well from novellas and short stories yeah, because oh, yeah. we have so much breath that we can put into it. We have a little bit more time, about an hour more time where we can fill with all the visual language. And, but I thought this was a really good example of, I haven't read that novella, but we, they had time to give you a little bit of an evolution of every relationship. 
And therefore, it wasn't, it didn't even only seem like it was through the eyes of Mrs. Harris. We kind of got to see the relationships that each of these sub characters had with themselves, with yeah. other co workers, with their private lives. And that's the kind of touching thing that exists in movies like this size. Because when you're dealing with a really plot driven, more commercially driven kind of movie that might fit into a franchise or is based on a really popular character that everybody has certain expectations of, you kind of lose those opportunities to just say, wait a second, I just want to kind of live in this world with these people. I don't really care what happens. <laughs> like, I just want to yeah, well, be I just, I just realized, like, the the excellent thing they're doing, like, with the, like, one of the characters when they go to her house and she's looking after her husband who's come back from the war. So cool. And, yeah. and it, it's it's like... Up until that point, you're judging and hating that character and she has a downfall and you're like, yeah. And then you see the other half and it's a, it, like, that's another one about like, just don't, don't judge people because you don't know their journey. And like, the, there might be a reason why they're acting like they're acting. I mean, some of the stuff she still was like, not cool, but, um, but it was, it was a fine little, like, cause you caught yourself hating this woman and then you're like, oh yeah. And you're like, she's having a real hard time of it. And yeah. I like, there was I like, I know I said it was a little long in act one, but I, I want to correct myself and say there was not a wasted scene in this. Oh, they didn't waste a single moment. Dave, that's so sweet. I, Jeff, I think you're right. Were you thinking about, uh, there are some famous acting exercises that come from, uh, one of them is where you basically are coming from this, this emotional state and you literally answer a door and I just thought that that scene with the door. Dave is referencing uh, where Isabella Huppert answers the door to her apartment and you never see her sick, destroyed, damaged yeah. husband. And she so she has like kind of two doors. She answers the door to her apartment and is also kind of protecting the door to her, her you know, ill yeah. husband. And it was just, man, she had so much to work with. It was such a simple scene. They did not overdirect it. They did not overcover it. The production design was gorgeous. And we got to just sit in this very humble working class home with this beautiful woman who is totally just all those layers are taken away and she's just a working lady that's trying mm. to protect her family and and it's not easy and they also didn't make it super dramatic she didn't weep at the end of that scene you know it didn't turn into this like melodramatic i know but you no, don't understand into, how turned, hard my life is it turned into another it turned into another uplifting moment yeah every because she right, lifts dude, her up at scene, the end of it yeah every scene was the opportunity Every scene, like it kind of like had that thing, and that's you know maybe that only ex can really exist potently in these these do-gooder stories that we're, we're we've been lucky enough to see recently. Um, there's and there's always a you know you can kind of smirk maybe your way through else, those dramatic maybe moments. Maybe everyone else but, is just lazy. Like maybe, you know what? We just need yeah. to believe you guys. This is Mrs. Harris. Is I want to see her go to Parliament, Moscow, and New York. I want to see those. Say, when we get to the end, the end, and she goes back to her clients, and like one of them, like obviously the dress thing goes horribly wrong. She loans it to an actress, and she's not exactly responsible. And of course, the dress gets destroyed. And then she leaves her a fucking note to say, <laughs> yeah, "Oh, the, sorry about the dress, but don't worry, I'm fine. I'm fine, and I might and, sue. We'll see." And and then we go to the like the next client and that client is like, this is the client she's been trying to get to pay her the whole way through the movie. And then she finally, and it, the line of the movie for me, where she just hands in a notice and she's like, yeah, the time of tre treating people like dirt and expecting loyalty is over. And I'm like, if that's not the fucking war cry of 2022, what is? I love it. Man. Yeah. You're right. I, well, dude. I like to, right. 
I like too, because I don't know if they pulled that one off 100% for me, but I love the line is that um, where she says the, the nothing line. It's like, you're an invisible woman, and that's the name of her company, of course. And then the guy's like, oh, he wants you for tea tomorrow. He's like, he never invites anybody over. And she's like, well, I am nobody. Yeah, that was a good one. Mm, that one, my, my audience went crazy for that. Yep. That, that got a lot of There's, laughs in yeah. my theater. Yeah. Was I really liked it when Christian Dior walked by and she said, it looks like my milkman. Yeah. Yeah. That was touching. It was also just, I don't know. It just, it, it just, it set her, the France. Her reaction. Yeah. But her reaction to rich France felt like Crocodile Dundee when you took into America. <laughs> Like everything <laughs> yeah. was a wonder, and it's like, why, why are you, why are you thinking you're so important? Like it was, right? That that's what it, it shone for me. So yeah, if you if you like Crocodile Dundee, you'll probably like this. <laughs> I think we'll you know, what, what do you guys I, think it is? <laughs> not to not to not let's not. I don't want to go crazy deep here, but I'm curious. Just give me give me your quick answers here. Why do you think America does? We don't tell stories of classism nearly as often it's not it's not in front and center the way it is and yeah we, so we much watch of the parasite other, and we you know, go wow they really right. handle classism well and then we refuse to talk yeah. about it here well obviously I mean, we the do. problem like, is, what do you think it to, is to get that to get that movie made and released you have to deal with that class <laughs> yeah so like they're yeah, the ones paying funny. for it yeah yeah i mean i i, I mean i'm sure that's true but that's gotta they, be true there too yeah you know it's gotta be there's gotta be the same thing over there even more so because because that's such a touchy issue in Europe, isn't it? Hmm. And a lot of European movies have funding from I feel like the, film industry, the state. I feel like the film industry in Europe works a little differently, though. Like, then, like a, a a producer is more likely to just throw money at a project and not be very hands on. Over here, if the producer wants to see everything, they like, I want to see a script. I want to see this. I want to see that. Then they're like, no. Nah. Maybe I wish we told. I wish we told more of this, though. Obviously, I think I don't want to diminish uh, the stories that uh, minorities and people of color are yeah, starting a, a to lot tell. Of these like that is this is this is absolutely starting. But I don't want it to be. We I want to support that, but I also don't want to don't degrade the fact that uh, classism doesn't exist only uh, in re- relativity to the color of your skin. There, the classism exists. Yeah. You know. All over the place for yeah. different reasons, and it's just interesting that we we kind of we kind of we like to put it in neater boxes in this culture, and I, it's I don't think it's that simple. Um, so I, I don't know. I just thought this was a breath of fresh air and a fun way to deal with that, and it wasn't. You know, it's not yeah, Sunday it's, bloody I, Sunday. I mean, it's not. I, yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like in, in America the 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 lens is definitely pointed outward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't like to turn that camera on yourself. Shiny. Yeah, no, no, no. You're yeah. right. <laughs> Put your tights, your tights, and your cape on, and let's uh, forget about it. Let's just forget about yeah. it. Let's yeah. just come on, stop it. Yeah. Hey, forget about it. <laughs> forget about shiny. anything. Look hey. at this shiny thing over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. All right, friends. Well, that's that concludes our discussion on Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. If you haven't seen it and we didn't spoil the shit out of this movie, and you're still listening, you should go see it immediately, yeah. or tell your parents or whatever to. See it in the theaters. Let those colors pop on the screen unless they're at Cinema 11. 11. Times yeah, don't go to Cinema 11 in Times Square. <laughs> uh, let's finish Nothing up. popped. Let's conclude this here episode with a quick round of what you've been watching. Give us some recommendations of the week. Dave, what you been watching this week? I caught the new... Uh, I've, been, I've been waiting for this just to see if they nailed it or not. Um, Resident Evil on Netflix. 
A lot of pressure for them. Yeah, it's it, just I, I mean, yeah given what happened with all those movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it was good. It was not good. Uh, I heard it. It is good. It is good. We're kind of hooked. Um, they're doing. They're running two timelines at once, and it's they're living like the the the, the like past timeline is new Raccoon City. So Raccoon City's already happened and been contained. So we're Raccoon in new Raccoon City, City but this yeah this 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 shit is still happening. Oh, dude, I don't think I saw. I think I saw the first one whenever I came out. How old were we? Like twelve? Yes, <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, it's been a while. I will. I, I will say though, like though. I, I, I like the first one. I like the second one. After that, they just went nuts. Uh, like five just feels like a video game of the movies. But there's in the yeah. second one, if you get if you can get your hands on it on the DVD, the the Resident Evil Two uh, actors commentary is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever had in my life because they've got they recorded it in two different spots, and you've got uh, Miljovic and uh, the guy who plays the special forces agent in it. And then there's the girl who plays uh, Jill Valentine and she's in London and they recorded her separately. And so she's going into all this in-depth stuff about how she prepared for the character and everything. Miller and this other guy are just getting fucking hammered, bagging the shit out of the film. <laughs> it's hilarious. And they put the two together and like they recorded really it totally different times. So yeah, but no resident evil is definitely worth a look. Uh, I enjoyed it. Nice. I enjoyed it a lot. I'll, I'm I'm six episodes in, I think, and it only dropped Damn, last dude. Friday. <laughs> All right, John, what nice. you been watching? I finished uh, the F1 Drive to Survive. That was fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I watched a few movies. I watched Nine to Five for the first time. I had never seen that. What? Oh my god! I was this years this many years old when I realized there's a follow up song to that too. It's in the movie. There's a what song? What, five to nine. Oh, there's a song oh, called oh, Five oh. to Nine, recorded by Dolly Parton. There's a follow up to Nine to Five. <laughs> what? I had no I idea. Know, I right? found it by accident. Search for it. Five to Nine. I had no idea. Right. Is that the no nightlife? Is that her? Uh, what she does afterwards? No, it's when you. It's when you. It's no. It's when you make your own business and you have to get up at five instead of nine. <laughs> oh, that's oh, hilarious! It's fine. Yeah, it's, fine. It's, it's it's quite inspiring. It's kind of kind of cool. Carry on, sorry. I watched that. No, you're good. I watched that. I watched um, a really good kind of family movie by uh, one of Ron Howard's like first movies. It's called Parenthood. I think it's the first oh, time. Steve oh, Martin. yeah, yeah. yeah. It I've was never good. seen it, but it was I, good. I recommend. Uh, I don't know, Jeff. Used to listen to the Daily, but uh, when the abortion ruling came down, they referenced this movie because it has a good scene in it where they kind of deal with it in a very more realistic way they were talking about how entertainment media has dealt with abortion over the years and anyway it kind of triggered or not triggered it kind of made me think i want to watch that and it was a good movie it was touching um wow. i watched this movie called the change up somehow i never watched this is the kind of movie that just slips through the cracks for me but ryan reynolds and jason bateman in 2011 switch bodies uh-huh. <laughs> oh. and it's That's kind of exactly funny. what you think it's going to be and I'm then i watched find that uh, right now it was pretty funny i'm not gonna lie and then um i watched the first i didn't realize that the last part of stranger things for this season is just two really long episodes two movies yeah, basically yeah. so i watched number eight the first one last night so we have a two and a half hour one left i guess the last one tonight and then, uh, and then you'll know what all the fuss is about. Yeah, and then we'll know. A lot yeah. of sentimentality. So a lot of, a lot of sentimentality stuff. in these ones back, but you'll get there. You'll get there. Uh, thanks. 
All right, what the fuck did I watch? I, there was something that I was like, remember that you watched this. And I'm trying to think of, well, I started The Bear. I'm, I'm going on the, everybody's talking about The Bear now. Yeah, they and it's, are. I, it's, I'm curious. It's good. It's good. It's really good. It's about a restaurant in Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah. About, everybody is talking about that. It's the guy from, um, you know, fucking Shameless. Uh, Shameless. Like one of the yeah, kids. Yeah. He actually grew up in New York. Um, I guess that's it. I swear I've been watching something else. What the fuck else have I been watching? watched The Scottish Open. <laughs> I watched. Yeah. <laughs> I watched a chunk of the, the Open Championship. Well, you right. did two weeks ago. Yeah, I swear I watched something else, and I I cannot for the life of me remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, didn't you so. just tell me? Because I was telling you to start F one, and you were like, "Well, I just watched this, or I just started this, or something." So I guess it has to wait. You know, I can't remember is, what you were oh my god! You know what? I, no, you know what? I, you know what? I, thing I, on your phone that takes notes. It's, it's no, awesome. I'm not doing that shit. No, um, <laughs> you know what I did? Okay. Barry. Barry is what I watched. Okay, oh. so I did this. So I've been watching Barry season one and season two. And I think I was on with John when Dave was in Australia. And I said, I watched season one. Barry. Barry. And I watched season <laughs> one. I mean, I watched episode one of season three, this most recent season. And I was like, I like this, but I can tell it's going to be a season thing. And I was kind of looking for like a one episode kind of thing. Like this is, they all have their own episode like structures, but like this is clearly a show that is what I did, I watched the last four or five episodes in a row because I couldn't stop because it got to the point where it was mm. like, it was, it is comedy. It, it, it really, it is a comedy. It's black, but, black comedy. Oh it's, man, it's, it's yeah. black. And there's a lot <laughs> of really like gripping dark shit, a lot of fake deaths, meaning like, I don't, you don't know if they're going to die or not at the end of the episodes. You have to watch the next one to find out. And I, I, I was blown away. There was a chase sequence in this that was one of my favorite action sequences I've seen all year. They're on like mopeds on the highway and I was just like scared to fucking death watching this one of the mopeds crashes and all i was thinking is that stunty needs a fucking award for that stunt it was some really good good shit from this the emmys are doing stunt awards now well barry should win i mean it was so good it was it was really this is a really good season of of television i've always heard really good things about that show but I I, I, I literally I, I just didn't ooh. keep going. I started season three and I was like, I don't know, man. Like they're doing this shit. They're, like there's even stuff that I there's there are choices, small choices that I didn't love, but on the whole, the whole season is is sensational. sensational. I think Henry Henry Winkler is my favorite. Yeah, he yeah. has a good part sure. in this season. Mm. I, I was worried about that this, and I don't know why I was worried because they they figured it out. They write themselves into traps on purpose. And then like, oh, shit, we have two more seasons. What are we going to do? And they make great choices. They really did. Anyway, that's my speech. Nice. Anything else, guys, before we head out? No, I nope. think we got it covered. Go and see this Speaking movie. Speaking of. Go and see it. Yeah, are we doing yeah. Nope next week? We're doing yeah, Nope, we even though you booked your ticket on the wrong day. So who knows when we're going to record it. But at some point. <laughs> nope is coming up soon. We'll so there. is Gattaca. We'll see if we get to ET, you motherfuckers that don't want to go. We'll see. Check out our feed. Dave set up a link tree. Like and subscribe. Thanks for listening, friends. Talk to you soon. Bye.